Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Watt Carbon podcast. Uh, this is McGee Young here with Kelly and Neil from Watt Carbon. Uh, say hi, Kelly and Neil. Hey, guys. Hello. We're super excited to have Neil on today. Um, he's one of our software engineers. Um, he's got a super interesting background. Uh, we've got a lot to a lot of questions to ask him um, about work that he does and what he's interested in. Um, Kelly, we were we were kind of talking today uh, about what's in the news and um, and I've you know I've been kind of preoccupied with um, with us being in the news, which was kind of an exciting thing. Um, it, what did you you know what so for those of you who you know don't follow us on on LinkedIn and and Twitter and um, you know, or talk to us on the phone. Um, we were in Canary Media that we did a, a they did a spotlight on us um, on the concept of the market. Uh, Kelly, was there anything about that article that jumped out at you or that was um, you know particularly interesting to you? Yeah, I think um, just the general overview and uh, highlighting and spotlighting our partners um, was really great. I think it's um, I think it placed us in this web of the industry and you're, we're only beginning, or at least I am since I'm fairly new, I'm only beginning to understand where all the tentacles are. So for me, it was sort of like this nexus of um, kind of placemaking in, in the industry. Um, that seems like a very ephemeral description to what I mean, but it, it connected the dots for me, which is interesting to be within the team and then um, have it all, you know, Kind of articulated out in that way um yeah i that, that i think that's a really important point though too is that you know this this world that we're trying to open up is you know, there's a just a ton of different companies and organizations out there making a difference and they hardly ever get recognized and and so if if what we do is if nothing else shine a spotlight on you know the good work that they're doing uh it feels like We've made good progress. Ultimately, we want to make them bajillionaires uh, because they've, you know, done all of the work to decarbonize uh, our energy systems, and uh, we're living in a ecologically friendly, prosperous um, future. Uh, you know, the the other side of that, of course, I was watching this um, the footage of this train accident that happened in East Palestine, Ohio, which I'll confess to having. Googled, where is where is East Palestine, Ohio? My daughter goes to school in Cleveland, and so my initial thought was, "Oh no, I hope it's not near there." But uh, apparently, it's it's a little bit over closer to to Pittsburgh. That struck me as you know just a reminder of how far we still have to go, and it's not just our work. Typically, we use this proxy of carbon emissions as a way to. Uh, quantify impacts of different types of um, energy projects. But I think it was a good reminder that the environment, environmental impacts are not just limited to CO2, um, that there's quite a bit of other um, health and, and safety issues associated with our entire, uh, you know, energy and, and um, you know, petrochemical uh, industry. And, um, and that there are real Im implications for communities, you know, around the country, around the world. Um, mm -hmm live with the um, effects of our systems that we built. And so 
we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that you know we're not just here to replace heat pumps, but we there's there's a bigger vision um, around um, you know environmental sustainability, human sustainability that um, encompasses you know a lot more than just you know the focus on CO two emissions. Um, well, we're excited to have Neil Williams join us uh, from his uh, from his house in San Francisco. Uh, Neil, is it is it windy here today? What's going on? It is very windy here. Yeah, uh, we've got a potential for snow coming in this week, so that's pretty rare. Wow! And and have you ever seen snow? <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember um, <clears throat> there was this one day, in, it must have been like the early 90s at some point, and the, there was just snow and all, all of the schools just got out and just like went and played outside. Just class was over, just go out and, and see snow. And that was in the South Bay here in, in the area. Uh, so that was a very rare thing for us to ever get snow. Uh, but yeah. That's that's amazing. Uh, Kelly's laughing because I think you said it was one degrees in Missoula today. <laughs> this morning, I think it's gone up like three more degrees. I think we're at a solid four or five. But yeah, and there's a wind chill, which is nice on top of <laughs> freezing. Yeah, we we complain about this, but that's the funny part is is we're losing the concept of winter uh, yep. in, in our lifetimes, right? That we're now it's like. Oh my gosh, it's below freezing. Like, wait, what? You know, and and um, mm -hmm. it, it might be that our kids don't really experience that, and it's hard to it's hard to imagine what the flip side of that's going to look like. Where it's you know, if it's eighty degrees in February, what does that mean for July and August, and you know, our our ability to, to continue to inhabit large portions of the planet, um, Neil. Tell us a little bit about um, if 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 we were if 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 uh, you were Neil going back, you know, to say eight year old Neil, and you said Neil, early early Neil, here's what later Neil turned out to be. <laughs> what would you have uh, to say to yourself? That would be maybe that would be surprising to eight year old Neil. I think eight-year-old Neil would have been very disappointed that <clears throat> I wasn't living on a space station. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> was that was that a goal of yours to become an astronaut? Yeah, yeah, I was really into that. I went to space camp and uh, like really just uh, like read every book I could about the space shuttle and all of those kinds of things. Did you have um, like the stars? Did you have a star map and and <laughs> point out like the different you know like there's that's where Alpha Centauri is or that's <laughs> how, were you that deep into it? Uh, no, I grew up in an area with a lot of light pollution, so I, I had some of those glow in the dark stars you put on your ceiling yeah. and just kind of pointed at those. <laughs> Did you have a favorite astronaut? Oh, that's a good question. Uh... I think it was more about the programs and the the uh, exploration than any individual for me. Interesting. We we had this um, in 1985, 86, um, the Challenger accident. Um, yeah. We were we were studying space in school and and we're watching because oh, yeah. there's a teacher, you know, going up. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I think my, like my generation. 
like we like lost all interest in, at that point in like going to space. You know, like there's a good ten year period where like no kid anywhere had any interest in doing that whatsoever, and then it kind of faded a little bit. And, and it got yeah, more SpaceX you know. and <laughs> all the craziness around. Uh, if you could go to space now, would you do it? Uh, you know, the one thing I've heard about being on the space station is it really stinks because you, you can't like take a shower, and so and there's no like laundry or anything like that. So yeah, I think I'm okay down here. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So eight-year-old Neil would have been surprised that you were a software engineer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 10, 10 or 12 year old Neil, not surprised at all, but eight year old. Yeah. Uh, it was all about space and starting out by like, I, I wanted to be a pilot so I could become an astronaut. So. What was your first computer? Do you remember? Uh, like a family computer. Like, so I had an uncle that worked at Oracle and, uh, so he had a bunch of like hand-me-downs to give people. And, uh, there was a 286. We had one of those that I played Reader Rabbit on. <laughs> yes, yes. A 286 uh, is a was the Pentium processor. It's Intel, but it was uh, it was the 286, 386, 486, then Pentium. The, uh, that's right. That's what yeah. it was. Like the, it was like the really slow one. Yeah, yeah. Well, relatively speaking, and then and then we got to Pent Pentium, right? It was was like super fast and then everybody stopped buying those types of pcs anymore and started buying macs <laughs> oh getting controversial uh, did you did you have, when was your first mac do you remember getting your first apple computer uh i lobbied my dad hard to get a imac so that like uh it's a tangerine imac so it was in that like when they were, came in those big bright colors uh, specifically because of some video games that we had in the computer labs at school that I wanted to have at home. But uh, yeah, I, other than that, I was uh, usually PC stuff for mostly for gaming, really. Mm -hmm. And and were you into computer gaming in high school? Is that is that when you started to get into it a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, I learned. Uh, I played. I always played games a bit, uh, but uh, I started getting into programming to like initially do like my own like very stupid games, uh, and so like I did some like tiny, tiny like, little bits of JavaScript back in like '99 uh, on just playing around, making silly things, and uh, and then grew from there to just do all sorts of weird stuff with it. Uh, we uh, friends and I all chatted on uh, AOL Instant Messenger. And uh, we, I made a bot for it that would, uh, if if you if you if you wanted to say something to your friend and they weren't online right now, you could record a bot, a message with the bot, and it would like pounce on them as soon as they they came back. It'd be yeah. like, Here's the your your voicemail from when you were gone. So <clears throat> that was kind of like my really like getting into like doing online stuff with programming and pretty solid value prop in the in the. <laughs> Did you teach yourself how to, you know, code in JavaScript, or did you ever take a class, or was it just something that grabbed you and you ran with it? Yeah, my dad had gotten a book on 
HTML for uh, you know HTML three, and uh, had was taking like a class at the local community college, and I just stole the book and blazed through it and uh, got started that way. And then from there, it was uh, mostly like learning from online stuff. Um, the Wired magazine had a, a Code Monkey or something back in the day that was. Uh, it was like this whole section of the site that was just like tutorials and like how to do various things. I, I remember distinctly this article about like running a server on your toaster and it was about like using old junk computers to like run a server. So I went and like built one out of this like $10 computer I found and that was like huge introduction to like doing server stuff. And that was, that was a lot of fun. That's, that's amazing. Do you have um, a specific, um, game that that was like kind of transformed like my uh, some some people you know like minecraft for example was like really the thing that like was the aha moment for for me it was um we did i would like king's quest like you know <laughs> way back you know in the day did you have one that was like your game that was your like epiphany game oh that's a really interesting question i I had a different form of the question posed to me recently, which was like, which were like your top, like most, most affected you games. But I, I don't know that I have too many from like really far back when I have some that like stuck in my memory, but they didn't like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think, um, I think it was more about the interactions in the games so like playing multiplayer games online and like having reasons to like set things up that would work with online stuff that that really got me like more more involved in stuff was you know, like running a server so that my friends and i could all play together that kind of stuff right so a lot of counter-strike for that <laughs> necessity is the mother of invention or something. yeah exactly yeah fantastic now you went to college and studied computer science in college. Yeah, that's right. And is that uh, is that hard? Like, and 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 I guess it's hard, but also like, to what extent do you think that that matters for you know people who want to do software engineering? Like, there's you know some people go to boot camps, some people do computer science. Like, can you? Have you thought about like what the impact of actually majoring in computer science was for you, and like what that what doors that opened up vis-a-vis like coming into it with maybe a different major, but kind of learning how to do it yourself? Yeah. Um, so I'll start out by saying I don't think it's at all necessary. Some of the best people I worked with don't even have college degrees at all. Uh, so like it, it, it's definitely the sort of thing where um, it, it's more about like your learning behavior, like just getting, like you have to learn from what you're doing to really get good at it. Um, I've, I've kind of come to the feeling that there's, computer science is a math degree and programming is more like a, a thing you're doing, not as, like, it's, a, it's a practical thing. And, uh, and so like the first couple of years of a computer science degree, or at least the one I did, I uh, was at UC Santa Cruz, um, and uh, the first couple of years of it is like math classes and like, you know, uh, some of it's more applicable, some of it's more abstract, uh, but it's, it's largely like very theoretical kind of constructs. And, uh, and like what I, when I really like, I actually really struggled with those math classes. I'm 
terrible at math. Uh, and uh, I, uh, when I really started enjoying the degree was the later, like the upper division classes that were like really a lot more practical, like getting into like we, we went and took an active database and like started writing code inside of it, like building parts of it and understanding how they work under the hood and like kind of piercing all those layers of abstraction and just like, um, I think for me, it was like a lot more of the practical stuff. So I'm, I'm personally just not very good at math and not really, I don't think I wouldn't call myself a computer scientist in any way. Uh, and, but like, I do really enjoy programming as like a, a way to solve problems and like put a thought onto paper in a way that a computer can do something with it. Right. Was there a favorite project of yours in school, a programming project that just kind of lit you up and let you explore that interest? Uh, yeah, I had very late uh, a distributed systems class and we built like a crazy multiplayer pong that had like, it was like a, an octagon of pongs. So you had like eight paddles going yeah. and, uh, and it was just that I, I spent, I think probably the next two years, like after school, just like rewriting that multiple times, trying to like figure out different ways of doing it. And like, it was, it was a hugely fun project. Does that, does that, um, I know that you're a big crossword puzzle <laughs> fan, uh, and you in and, and uh, you know you've you're probably gonna, about to pass me with your consecutive days <laughs> streak. So Not quite yet. We won't talk about that part. Uh, but does it, does it have the same sort of sense of satisfaction in doing a crossword puzzle as it does working like in a on a programming challenge? Uh, I think it can, but in like a false way. Like you you go and you write something and you feel like, oh, I solved that. I like, I got the answer. And then it's never actually the answer. Like, and, and that's that's the reality of the whole thing is that like mm. the, what you're actually doing is kind of throwaway. And there's there's always gonna be like the, the way that it evolves, the way that it changes. Uh, so like, it feels really good when you write something in a nice way, but not terribly differently than when you write a paragraph of prose nicely. And, and I, I like that feeling too. So it's, it's very similar to just, you know, you, you express an idea clearly and that feels good, but it might not be the right idea. <laughs> so the, so the puzzle aspect is less, I was thinking about it, like from a, you know, crossword puzzle, a lot of times it's sort of like figuring out, you know, the clue, it's not just the clue, but the, it's the, it's the implementation of the clue within the puzzle. Like, you know, that this is like an, a place where there's a lot of vowels typically. And so that helps you think about the answer to the clue is going to be a word that has a lot of vowels in it. And so you kind of think through the puzzle, the puzzle within the puzzle, I guess, um, which seems like in a, in a similar way to thinking through some of these software challenges. It's like, there's puzzles within side of puzzles within side of puzzles that you're kind of like, and then you finally come up with like it fitting and you're like, <laughs> yes, even if it's like wrong, you, but it's like that feeling of like, okay, like I've, there was never like an answer as much as like, I kind of put all the pieces together in a way that like kind of fit. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think like having, an understanding of those constraints and like finding the thing that solves all of them is yeah when that when that clicks it's it's very 
dopamine inducing. <laughs> totally. Uh, Kelly, what else do you have for Neil? I'm actually curious. This is just like rewinding a little bit. What's your, what was your first ever job? Not real job, but like, you know, you worked at Jimmy John's or you. you <laughs> <laughs> what was your first ever job? Uh, I guess, well, we, we can go for varying degrees of not real job. Uh, I made uh, fake food in the pantry of my uh, grandmother's restaurant so that they, they would keep me locked away in the pantry just like making uh, it was an English restaurant so it was pasties and so like I would I'd take whatever random fillings that were probably absolutely disgusting and put them in this thing and wrap the pastry around it and then be like please try eating this That's amazing. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, later um, I think the, the first like actual paying job, uh, I got an internship at uh, Stanford Linear Accelerator Slack. Uh, and that's, uh, uh, I was doing, I, I was working, doing computer stuff uh, in one of the departments there and uh, just as like a summer job and uh, kept, kept doing that actually through summers through college. Uh, and so that was super interesting getting to like, switch a few departments there over the years, but uh, kind yeah. of try out a bunch of different things and see how working in the real world was like. Yeah, no, that's, I, I uh, the story of being locked in the pantry and creating a thing resonated. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could just see little Neil creating a thing and being really excited about <laughs> a tangible project. Oh yeah. <laughs> I do this. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, uh, we've we've talked on the podcast uh, about our the influence of our parents in our lives, and uh, I actually uh, we we uh, sort of got to know your dad uh, because mm -hmm. he uh, was kind enough to host a, a trivia contest uh, for our team at our last um, a retreat, and um, this is the thing that he does, which is uh, which is incredibly fun. Uh, now your your you know love of crossword puzzles and and his you know interest in trivia probably like intersects a little bit. Was there anything <laughs> else uh, about your did your parents have any other kind of specific influences on you growing up or as you've you know kind of professionally matured into what you're doing? Yeah, I think like you you hit on. Um, I've definitely gotten a love for. Uh, knowing things about the world like that help unlock it from my dad he's uh he's big into geography is his degree and uh he um uh, knows just just likes to absorb information about everything and everywhere and words and all of that so like i, I love you know etymologies and just understanding language and all of that i think comes from him uh, my mom is uh a like a very very talented uh like event planner and uh so i got a lot of kind of planning and structure from her and uh also uh deeply passionate about uh making things better uh she's she's doing a lot of uh she's working on uh kind of climate from a garden soil level right now it's really exciting to see her doing that stuff. Uh, and, and so, like, um, I think kind of the combination of them, like, made me, like, 
like interested and curious about the world and uh and also like wanting to do something with it yeah super interesting now you you've been here at at block carbons for well we're getting close to a year now yeah nine months or something yeah um and in that time you've you've, you've drunk the kool-aid so <laughs> you've done these projects on your house to uh lower you know to lower your carbon emissions, I guess is one way, one way to put it. Tell us about the different, what have you done so far? Yeah, so being in San Francisco, I was, uh, we were already on uh, a local uh, community choice aggregator uh, doing a, a term I just learned, uh, doing uh, what I thought was 100% clean energy. And I've definitely been learning about the impact of hourly and how, so, how, impactful that is. Uh, so um, we we had a horrible leak in our house and we were looking at various ways to fix it. And we ended up deciding to do solar as a way to fix, like get the re roof re-done and add solar while we're at it. So that was kind of step one. And then later in the year, we replaced our gas furnace with uh, a heat pump, which has been very nice in these cold, windy days. Was there anything... Uh surprising about that either of those experiences that you you know made you think differently about you know the the work that we're trying to enable generally like was it particularly hard in some ways or easier in some ways than you expected uh it's expensive uh i think having uh having that be accessible to more people because you know we're, we're getting the right money moving into the the supply of these things is super critical to get this to actually happen everywhere. Uh, and uh, it's kind of complicated. Like there's just like, there's so many details like we're, we're dealing right now with, it's a 120 year old house and the electrics are absolutely bonkers in it. And so like just trying to, trying to figure out how we could even, you know, we want to do our stove next. And it's like, do we even have, the, the service to the building to be able to do that like just those kinds of questions it's just like things i never even thought about before that are kind of crazy it's it's decision fatigue right like once you start to <laughs> into something it's a snowball of what if what if what if and there's huge problem or not problems but just bigger things to answer and think about um yeah yeah we're thinking of expanding our solar panels before the change in the net metering goes into mm -hmm. a couple of months and um, even that feels daunting right like yeah yeah you're trying to do the math and you're trying is this like makes sense and you know like what about our roof and what about all you know like does it we're gonna have to change out our inverter or panel or you know like it's so many things and like i took physics in high school where i learned about watts and you know amps and that kind of stuff but i feel like I was unprepared mm -hmm. to, be able to like answer these questions, right? And and like, how many of us really are prepared to make decisions about this sort of thing in our in our homes? Feels like a real it makes it feel really daunting to me. Yeah, definitely. I think the moral of the story is we're really not right, and so there are people who are, and so how do we support the people who are in those positions, and how do we reach more people through them? I think that's the question. Um, but yeah, we're learning that that group of people is, we need to, to double their rank <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and yeah, get them out, send them out in the field. But yeah. yeah. Neil, what are you reading? And this is my final question and I'll turn it over to McGee. It's my uh, last, last and final. Uh, right now I am reading SPQR by Mary Beard, I think. Okay. I don't. It, yeah, it's a kind of a, a history of Rome uh, with uh, a focus on, well, there's more info than you usually get about the common day-to-day life uh, rather than just the big, like, big names, right? Which I, I love that about history is, like, understanding how actual people lived and yeah. how they weren't actually that different. Crazy. Charles and Mary Beard uh, were... Uh, both historians married to each other who typically wrote um, more kind of people-oriented histories, um, a little bit in the lines of like Howard Zinn. Uh, so telling kind of the other side of history that you don't really get from like history books, which typically focus on like the people in charge, but mm-hmm. what was that like, you know, for everybody else and that... Um, She's fantastic. It's, I'm, I haven't read that, but I'm, you, would you recommend it uh, for people who are interested in, in, yeah. in history or just history in general? Yeah, I, I, I kind of came to it having like, you know, seen TV shows and heard stuff before, but not like any deep knowledge. And it's been really like enlightening for just kind of understanding both the, the, the general structure of the history, but also like what people were like. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, well, Neil, uh, we're we're super excited to have you as part of our our team. Uh, we've learned a lot from you since you've been on board, and uh, you know it's exciting to kind of build build a community uh, with you know lots of diverse, interesting backgrounds. Um, you know, I I will seed my crossword puzzle street crown to you, you know, and I and I wish you all the best with that burden. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as you carry it, carry it forward. Um, and we're excited to see, you know, you're going to help. We've got a couple of new software engineers join, joining uh, next month. So we'll be mentoring the next generation, teaching them about amps and watts and CCAs and the IRA and all the rest of the uh, exciting pieces of our industry. Uh, we really appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us here on our on the Watt Carbon uh, podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We think, Kelly, this is, I think, next next podcast where it's going to be our first foray into bringing an outsider into the room here to talk about their work. Um, any, any, uh, any preview of that you want to provide? Yeah, so uh, I don't really want to name drop, but I think I'm going to name drop anyways. Um, I think we're going to bring in Pivot Energy to talk about some of their um, solar projects and some of the work that they're doing and um, what they're excited about and the the story and the impact and the communities they're reaching. So really excited for that conversation and also a little bit nervous that we're now, you know, branching out into <laughs> unfamiliar territory. Um, but no, I'm really excited to talk to them and, and give them a platform to share their work. Yeah, should be fun. Uh, well, Kelly, Neil, thank you both again so much for joining us. Thank you to the now dozens of listeners that we have tuning in to our podcast. We appreciate you you uh, taking the time to, to hear about our story a little bit too. Uh, have a wonderful week and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. Thank you.